Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the third episode of our all-inclusive season preview series here on the College of Basketball Dance. Nicholas Hodel, Dominic Stern here for you. And we're breaking down the Big East today. We were talking a little bit earlier. So are we like this conference a lot here, Dom? Yeah, it's hard not to like the Big East. I mean, the Big East is, at this point, basically just college basketball. And a lot of history in this, uh, in this conference, as always. And they're getting UConn back this year. So conference is uh, hopefully coming back to glory. Last year was a pretty solid year. They were going to get several teams in the tournament. Uh, obviously, we didn't get there. But I look forward to watching Big East basketball. As always, there's no greater joy than waking up at 9 a.m. and watching some great programs go at it. Yes, and let's get you to load down on what happened in the Big East last year. Three 13-5 teams were atop the conference. Creighton, Philanova, and Satan Hall. They're looking for about six teams that would have gotten in the tournament had it played before everything was canceled. And But the third best conference in the nation per the Kim Palm Conference rankings, and they were a distant third ahead of the ACC, which we'll get to later on this week. And a good number of teams, all of making the Kim Palm top 100, which does make for a lot of fun in a conference that, we think is going to be very hyper competitive, but let's go ahead and first start off with who we think could be a little lacking this season. And, and I think that it's going to be to yet again. There, there's some solid stuff to like about this team, but to me, it's not really enough here, Dom. Yeah, I think they'll be better than they were last year. They got off to a decent start and then just really fell off. And that's of course, you know, what happens when you're a below average team playing in the big East, they are returning three of their four double-digit scorers from last year. So I think there's some potential on this team. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they finished outside of last place, but they'll definitely be a bottom-tier team in the Big East for sure. They also got six transfers. Now, not all of them are going to be playing right away because that's just not how transferring works in college basketball. But it'll be interesting to see how those guys mesh with the returning players for DePaul. I, like I said, I think this team has some potential to be better than they were last year. And DePaul always seems to be dangerous if a team gets caught napping against them. That's really when DePaul can really turn it on and really start to get the best of you. There is some decent little athleticism that is here at this team, but for me, I don't think the pieces are quite there to compete with a team like Phil Nova or Providence or Seton Hall, which we'll talk about later on in this program. I mean, Still, as any team in the power conferences, they have some dangerous pieces. But for me, it's not quite enough for them to really get themselves anywhere this season. We go to St. John's. An interesting setup here. A little bit of depleted backcourt, athletic frontcourt. What do you think about the Red Storm? They need to bounce back because they're one of those programs that really has carried the reputation of the Big East. And last year, they were really bad bad five and 13 in conference that's not good one eight on the road these are another one of those teams that just could not win on the road last year like even the Paul won four times on the road last year so they at least showed some promise but St. John's gonna be one of those teams that hey you're not playing on the road with a with a ton of fans so you see if St. John's can pick up some more road wins than they did last year their top two scorers are gone but Rasheem Dunn averaged 12 points per game uh, he's going to have to carry this team for St. John's, and they need to bounce back uh, to 
elevate the reputation of the Big East. Yeah, and then I mentioned the front court. It is a pretty athletic front court. You have uh, Julian Champagny, uh, an All-Big East freshman team member last season, but you're going to have to have a go-to guy other than that, and that's sort of missing from this team. And we keep mentioning this, that you, you can't really win in college basketball consistently with just one guy to go to. You've got to have multiple different threats. And I think that's where their depleted backcourt might cost them a little bit and that they're going to have to find other pieces and their backcourt isn't quite there. And a lot of that is going to have to fall on Rasheen Dunn. If he can't get the job done, I don't really know if St. John's can really do much. One of the surprising things, though, to me is that Andy Katz, he put out his first bracket um, early this week. He had St. John's the team that might be able to get in at large. And I'm not necessarily sure um, where we could really see that. And if St. John struggles in the Big East play, I don't think that's going to come even close to happen because you got, got to remember with no non-conference games to prove to yourself, all these teams are going to have a tough time proving themselves if they can't win in conference play. And I think St. John's may fall into that bracket to where if they don't prove themselves early on in Big East play, I think teams will write them off very, very quickly. We move on to Georgetown. A lot of tall players, but they got to really develop here, Dom. Yeah, Georgetown was extremely bad down the stretch in Big East play. I mean, they finished the season on a seven-game losing streak, ended up 5-13 and in conference play. And similar to St. John's, they're a team that has carried the reputation of the Big East Basketball Conference. So for them to be 5-13 and last year in conference play, unacceptable. And I think it comes down to possibly Patrick Ewing. I think he's on the hot seat. If they don't put themselves in the tournament this year, he could be gone. They're, uh, they're going to be an interesting team, though, because Mac McClung, he transferred. Uh, year seven, I forget how to pronounce his first name. He's gone. He was their big center. He, he did a lot of the scoring for them. I, I think that they have the potential to bounce back, but they're going to need to. Otherwise, Patrick Ewing could be out, and they'll actually get a thought you get a coach that I think is deserving of coaching in the Big East. Yeah, and I would watch for the development of the front court. If they can't, if, if Ewing and his staff can't develop those guys enough to where they are an interior threat and you have to really tread lightly with them, I think that's the point where Georgetown will absolutely struggle. You have a couple of guys that will lead the offense, an Arkansas grad transfer, Jalen Harris and Javon Blair, but Outside of that, you have to develop that front court. If that's not there with those tall guys, this could be a, a situation where Ewing is gone, like, like you mentioned. And I, I think that seat is going to be very, very hot at, at the end of the season if they cannot do anything. Um, and just like with St. John's, if they can't really prove themselves early on in conference play, I think Ewing could very well be getting calls to, from fans to be ousted even in the middle of the season as well. I think that is an area where Georgetown needs to at least improve from 5-13, and 13, or if they are going to play 20 games, 5-15, and 7-13. If not, it's going to be a very long season for, for Georgetown fans. I, I, really, period. It's going to be a long year. We move now to Xavier. A lot of unknowns here, Dom, but – there are some pieces to work off of. 
Yeah, Paul Scruggs, he's going to be a senior this year. He averaged 12.7 points per game last year. He's going to have to carry the load on this team. They also got two four-star recruits incoming. So there's definitely potential for Xavier. As for how they did last year, they went 8-10, and 10 and they, they did a decent job in conference. And we've already mentioned there's a lot of parity in this conference. So let's go 8-10 in conference play. They're going to be a bubble team. I think they probably would have gotten in last year's tournament. I think this team has potential. Uh, I certainly think they are capable of making the tournament this year. Uh, it's going to come down to can Paul Scruggs carry the team. I think he's certainly capable. And becoming that big name that perhaps he was supposed to be when he went to Xavier in the first place, and that's sort of an all-conference level. And I think he is going to have to be at that point as well. Uh, Kai Kai Tandy, someone that made all biggest freshman last year, is going to be someone that will have to step up. And a, a Division II transfer in Brian Griffith, he's going to be a wild core in the front court that he will have to really step up and produce because there is a little less depth there, similar to some of these other teams we've already talked about. And I think that is a, a big theme through all the powered conferences that we've talked about so far in this season previous series to where your weaker front courts might struggle even if you have a good backcourt. And I think that's something that Xavier might have to put themselves through as well. Their range is pretty big of where they could finish. And it's going to be tough sledding for them if they can't really uh, get those unknowns to produce. They could finish probably as low as eighth or ninth and probably go up to about fifth, maybe fourth if they get the pieces together. It's just these unknowns make it a bit difficult to really put Xavier on a, in, on a big pecking order. And when you look at the Big East as a whole, Xavier is probably just right in the middle of sort of the bottom six. So you have like a top five, bottom six sort of deal to me. I think Xavier is sort of right in the middle of that, but on the upswing, trying to look up toward a place in the tournament. Another team that is looking like that is going to be their scenario is Marquette. They got to replace Marcus Howard. How are they going to be able to do that? Well, you don't. Let's make that very clear. You can't just replace Marcus Howard. Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say. I, I, I'm not sold on this Marquette team coming into this year. Uh, they, they relied way too much on him, and you know, rightfully so, because he was one of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen in college basketball history. And we're going to talk about another really great shooter in a moment when we talk about Seen Hall. They do have three four-star recruits coming in, though. So. Uh, they had the best recruiting class, or maybe outside of Villanova, in this conference. Uh, I think that they're going to be a young team. They're going to be an experienced team. They got to find a way to play better as a team without Marcus Tower. If they can do that, they'll, they'll put themselves uh, in another position to make the tournament. But I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of question marks surrounding this Marquette team coming into the season. And a lot of these question marks come down to the front court, perhaps being freshman, freshman down low, Dawson and Lewis. A couple of top 100 freshmen, but will they be able to produce in the Big East? That's a big question as well. Uh, Theo John comes in for defensive production. That may be lacking similar to last year. Quite frankly, the offense has to be there because defense mm, probably will not be. I think a lot of offense will find a way around Marquette's defense especially as young as it is down low. I think that is a bit scary for Marquette. Quality freshman for sure, but if they don't make that transition, it's going to be a very tough year for Marquette. They're another team that 
I mean, as, as high as they are, that bottom six, they could easily jump down a little bit if they don't really step it up. And I think the Mar- Mar- Marquette is in a spot to where they, they could go up a little bit from a sixth, seventh, eighth place spot. But to me, it's not really too much here, Dom. No, they'll, they'll be a middle-tier team in the Big East this year for sure. Yeah, and I, 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 it's a big thing for them. I mean, just try to stay in that mid-tier and then carry on, grow your team, especially your young front court, to try to get some growth in this season. I think it's a big thing yeah. for me personally. And, and also, another one of those teams did not play well on the road last year. 3-8 and eight on the road, but 13-3 and three at home. How are you going to play on the road this year? And how are you going to play at home this year? Another one of those teams, it's, it's going to be a wild card for them. It will be. Moving to Butler, some players already out uh, before the season even starts. And this might be a team that, I mean, if they can see out of foul trouble, they're fine. But if not, watch out. Right. The problem is all, all double-digit scorers from Butler last year are gone. Kamar Baldwin was one of the best players in the nation. Uh, at least underrated-wise, you know, like I said, waking up at 9 a.m. on the West Coast and watching Big East basketball last year down in the dining hall with you was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. You know, you got, you got a couple of the Big 12 games, but it was really the Big East games. Uh, they, they have a very deep recruiting class. They got five three-star recruits coming in. I think they can – those guys have the potential to elevate this team. Butler, I think they're going to be another one of those middle-tiered teams – they certainly were great last year. Uh, they weren't as good in conference play as they were in non-conference play, but they went 10-8 and eight in the Big East last year. I think they'll be right around 500 again. I don't see them taking a step forward when you lose all of your double-digit scores from the year before, but they are. They certainly have a lot of talent. They, they have the potential to move up, though. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm uh, as high as them moving up anything because they don't have a deep bench. And in the Big East Conference, as with any powered conference, that's going to kill you very easily. And I think Butler is one of those teams that they're going to be stuck in the bottom half of this conference. I can't really see them moving up anymore. Um, As far as the guys that are going to have to stay out of foul trouble so they don't have to go to the bench early on, point guard Aaron Thompson may be one of the better uh, defensive point guards in the entire country. And then you have a starting front quarter in Bryce Gordon and Bryce Ensi that is, is not bad either. It's just you have to get your starters to stay out of foul trouble. If not, it's going to be a very long season again. Same thing as the rest of the teams we've already mentioned. Butler, their one key is to stay out of foul trouble. If they get into foul trouble frequently, this team is in trouble. And I think that some of the pieces that they could have had that have already got down to injury or perhaps transferred. I think that has pretty much put their contending, their contendership rather, out before this season even begins. And I think that's situation that Butler wanted to avoid. But what we have seen from Coach Lavelle Jordan is that he is usually able to get a pretty good uh, run out of what he is given at Butler. And I think that is one of the main reasons why he is there still. He, he's a solid coach, I think, and I just, I'm, I'm not as really sure where he's going to be able to get out of this team, but I'm sure a sixth or seventh place finish would not be out of the well of possibilities here, Dom. Yeah, I think you mentioned it already. They have 
the potential to be a middle to upper tier team if they can stay out of foul trouble and if they meet their potential. They also have the ability or the lack of ability, I should say, to not be a middle tier team and be in the bottom half of this conference. Yeah, again, you cannot go deep into your bench very early at all. I think that is one way this Butler team can completely destroy their expectations, and that's not a good way in shattering glass ceiling. That's falling through the floor. And, again, foul trouble, stay away from it, as far away from it as you can. UConn, welcome back to the Big East for the Connecticut Huskies, and their roster is actually not too bad here. I, I'm a believer in this UConn team. Uh, obviously, they did lose their top scorer in Vital, but James Bucknight really burst onto the scene in the second half of the year, and he showed six foot five athletic guard with a ton of speed. He showed why he's going to be a really good player, and I think he has the potential to possibly be the Big East Player of the Year. I, I'm sold on this team. I think that Coach Hurley. Uh, the, the, the William Hurley, I guess we could say, as Sun Devil fans, uh, is going to get them in a good spot to be a top-tier team in the Big East returning from the American. The American Conference is no joke. It's probably the best, if not the second best, behind the Atlantic 10 for the mid-majors. And I think that them coming to the Big East, you know, Power 6 school, or Power 6 conference, uh, excuse me, I think they're going to they're gonna do just fine. They got two four-stars coming in. Uh, they're basically returning everyone, obviously, besides Vital. I'm a believer in UConn. Go Huskies. Yeah, we can have that whole power six, power seven discussion another day. Here's the thing, though. UConn, for a while, had a little bit of a struggle in the American Athletic Conference, but as the recruiting's gotten better, so has the team to an extent. And I think now they're ready to compete in the Big East, a definite powered conference. And another piece for me that's interesting is Howard transfer R.J. Cole. That's a piece to where if he breaks out from the learning curve of trying to step in from a lower, lower tier conference in Division I to one of the best in the entire country, if he meets that learning curve effectively, watch out. He might be one of the better point guards in the conference at that point. You mentioned Bo Knight. He is also an extremely good piece. Adama Sinogo, the 14th best center in the class, also a big pickup for this transition from the American to the Big East because you have to have a good roster in the Big East. You're not carrying as many games against teams that are poor, poor in the Big East as you have in the American. You have teams like your East Carolinas or some of your lower, lower tier teams that are just awful. You're not going to have them in the Big East. You're going to have to show up pretty much every night. And I think this roster is absolutely capable of that. Unlike the teams that are going to be in the bottom half, their front court is actually one of the best in the conference. And I think that's you know, that we have to really keep an eye on as well. That death in the front court could be big. I do think a breakout season is also in the works. Right. And uh, one more note is that UConn went three and seven on the road last year. I've said it several times, but I think UConn has more of an excuse to be bad on the road because they play in Connecticut, which is up in the Northeast and playing in the American conference. I'm just going to list you some of where these teams play Houston, you know, Cincinnati, that's a close game for them, but Tulsa, Wichita, Memphis, SMU, which is in Dallas, UCF, that's central Florida, South Florida, Temple, it's Philly, it's a different story. East Carolina, that's still far away, and Tulane. 
you're not going to be having to travel to all those schools now that you're in the Big East. You're going to be playing up in the Northeast the entire year. So I think that UConn could be better on the road this year, given the fact that they don't got to travel as far. And now there's not going to be as many fans in the stands to pose a bigger test on the road. Now, 14-3 and at home, are they going to be able to perform that well at home? I'd say probably not, given the fact that, the, like you mentioned, the talent level of the majority of the teams is significantly better than that of the American Conference. And there's also not going to be a ton of fans. Uh, the UConn's got one of the best home court advantages in the nation. They're going to certainly be missing that this year. Yeah, with the exception of Creighton and, and some of the other schools, DePaul and Butler in that Midwest area, you have a lot of those teams where you're not, you're not going to be racking up as many miles as you have in seasons previous. So I definitely think that could play a part in it as well. And we could mention the road stuff. I think they'll do better on the road. Home, again, this is like you said. I mean, again, the talent level is much better. And I'm curious, how, where do you think the, uh, the glass ceiling is here for these guys? For UConn, I have them as a top three team in this conference. I'm high on them. And I think that it's because a lot of these teams that were really good in the Big East last year are losing a ton of talent. And I think UConn's really holding on to a lot of their talent. I think that uh, getting into the year under Hurley is going to only help them. Yeah, and if we, if we want to mention sort of the tiers that we have, bottom six is probably like a, tier, a decent little tier three to work off of. UConn's in this position to where they're right with teams like Creighton, Satan Hall, and Providence. I think that you could make a decent little tier two out of this. I don't know if they could have an argument for a, a tier 2A, tier B. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are high on Creighton or that could be the tier 2A for them, but let's just stop speculating and talk about Creighton here. Um, a few backcourt seniors to, to rely on. Um, what do you think of this team? I think Phil will be good. Uh, they lost Tyshawn Alexander, of course. He's going to be well, well thought out in the draft, but I think that they're going to be a good team still. Uh, they show the dynamic ability to have scores all over the court and play several players last year. And I think they're going to have the same thing this year. Uh, Zagorowski, certainly a uh, potential Big East Conference Player of the Year candidate. I think that they'll, they won't be as good as they were last year, obviously. Like, this was an extremely good year from Creighton. They were peaking at the right time. They, were, uh, they ended up finishing with a share of the conference. Uh, title, but I think they'll certainly be a top-tier team in the Big East. Yeah, and of course, Taj and Alexander, same boat as Marcus Howard and Marquette. You're not going to be able to replace them completely, but if you at least have a few guys that can kind of fill in those roles, you will be able to get in there. Um, Marcus Segarowski was one of those guys that is going to have to do that. Um, defensively, I'm not sure if you could say really much about that, but offensively, Zagorowski, a few of your backcourt seniors could also help out, and I, I just think that that is going to be an area to where, yeah, their backcourt's pretty deep, a lot of experience, which is a very good thing in college basketball. It's the defense uh, I'm worried about. Their offense will be there. It's the defense that can perhaps slide Clayton Creighton down a little bit. Their absolute floor is fifth. I don't think they'll have any problem finishing the top half of this conference. It's just where they can be able to, what, what do they have 
that can get them to be third or second in this conference. And I think that this two through five is going to have a lot of parity. And I think Creighton is right there in the absolute thick of things as far as getting into that top tier, trying to jockey for position to make the NCAA tournament and to have a decent conference run. Again, a lot of quality wins here. Just avoid the bad losses, and Creighton is in a pretty good spot to for sure make the tournament. Satan Hall, these guys got to replace Miles Powell. And I know you said that Marcus Howard probably can't be replaced. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing here, Powell. No, I, I certainly alluded to it earlier when I was saying another great score. And Marcus Powell was arguably my favorite player in the country outside of my San Diego State Aztecs. Yeah, I obviously love that team. Watching that team play was awesome. Bummed they didn't get to play in the tournament. And I was bummed we didn't get to see Marcus Powell shine as a senior. Uh, you know, obviously along with Marcus Howard and other players uh, that were seniors too. But Seton Hall, they're, they're going to have to replace him. And you got to have everyone step up because you can't just fill in that guy. I already said it with Marquette. It's going to be a team effort to replace him. And let me get this right. Mamou Kalashvili is going to have to step up. I think I got that right. He's got to step up. They're also got uh, Marcus Roden. He was the number four scorer. They're, they're going to need to step up. I'm not entirely sold that they'll be a top-tier team in the conference. I think they're certainly capable of making the tournament. Uh, they'll just be somewhere between that 8 to 11 seed team. Yeah, and it's like, if you're not, I mean, it's just, it's not even how things are crazy, especially in that country of Georgia. It seems to be are getting into that a lot here in this, in this show. Uh, Sanju, my new coach, Vili, is going to have to be big. Um, front court depth, pretty lacking, similar to some other teams in this conference. A couple of little transfers as well that I think got to step into the big shoes. Uh, Harder transfer, Bryce Aiken, and Canassa's transfer to Kel Molson. Those will be a couple of guys that we're going to have to watch out for because if they don't produce, Satan Hall's going to slide down to perhaps that fourth or fifth place spot in the conference. And a, a few guys in the front court that are going to have to fill the void, Tyree Samuel, uh, Ike Obiaku, they're going to have to do something as well. It's an interesting roster because they have players that can break out into absolute stars. And I do believe that. How much could the lack of depth this team has down low cost them here, Dom? It's certainly going to cost them. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you know, they, they've been primarily carried by their guard play in the backcourt for the past couple of years while having some centers that can complement them by playing defense. But, you know, they're gone. I think they're, they're going to be an interesting team to watch, see how far they do fall from winning the Big East, uh, how far they're going to fall. Yeah, and my mood coach, Billy, is going to have to play a key role into is this team going to be able to manage the top three? If he either gets injured or someone disappoints in an increased role with a lot more minutes, this could be an area to where Satan Hall slides below Creighton, slides below UConn. We're going to have to see what happens here throughout the course of the season, but keep your eye on Satan Hall in that front court because that could cost them a little bit with the lack of depth. And it's the same thing for Butler, really. Just stay out of foul trouble and you'll be good. Uh, and that's the big thing for uh, my new coach, Billy. Stay out of foul trouble, you're fine. If not, we got trouble on our hands. Not nearly as much trouble as Butler, 
But I still think Satan Hall could easily slide down to fourth or fifth. I like them finishing right in the middle of this um, second tier, third, fourth, somewhere in there. But they do got to be a little careful there. Providence. Here's a team that is very interesting to me, Dom. Um, they have a, a chance from St. Joe's that can perhaps lead the way. And they do have some guys that can need to make that transfer up a year and get some more experience from last year and turn up to and improve. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be a soft spot. There's always going to be a soft spot in my heart for the Friars as I am a Padres fan. You can see the Friar right behind me. Obviously this is the swinging Friar, not the Providence Friars. Uh, this team was certainly peaking at the right time last year, heavily led by some seniors, Alpha Diallo and Louane Pipkins. How are the guards that didn't get as much playing time going to step up to replace them? Uh, David Duke is going to have to carry this team. And we saw certainly several times when we were sitting down at the lobby, 9 a.m., David Duke has the potential to boom the 30 points. He also has the potential to shoot like 25% from the floor and drop like eight points. So which David Duke is going to show up on a consistent basis? Because I think David Duke is another one of those players that has the potential to be that big conference player of the year. Uh, I, I think this team has the potential to be uh, second place, third place in the big East. I also think they can be a middle tier team in the conference, which province is going to show up. I think Ed Cooley, his, uh, his hot seat cooled with the performance of the Friars last year. Uh, it always seems that he's right on the hot seat with uh, them being a borderline tournament team. Last year, they were going to be a good team in the tournament. I I actually had them winning the Big East tournament, which, of course, then didn't finish. So that was disappointing. I'm a believer in the Friars. And, and let's get one thing clear. There are plenty of guys here that are going to have to make that tra uh, tra leap. Uh, Greg Gannett another one of those guys from freshman to sophomore. How big is that leap for him? That's going to turn a lot of things. I mean, he, he has an end, another 20 pounds. He's a dangerous four spot for early for anyone. He needs to limit his turnovers. That's the big thing I would say for him. St. Joe's transfer, uh, Jared Byam, probably going to lead the way. Uh, and then you have a few other juniors that he could elevate. David Duke, one of them you mentioned, and also A.J. Reeves. His shooting ability is going to be a big thing for the Providence Friars. Exactly where this team finishes, we, we've mentioned this already. Providence, Satan Hall, Creighton, and UConn or sort of in this two through five uh, mesh pool. And a lot, some of these teams, they do have a little bit of weaknesses. I think Providence has fewer of those, but still some of those same question marks that Satan Hall, Creighton, UConn has. I think they could definitely finish in the upper half here. So again, second, third place sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people are high on Creighton this year from what I've seen initially from Blue Ribbon and Andy Katz and even John Rothstein. Um, Katz in his, pre in his initial preseason bracket puts Creighton as a four seed. Not necessarily sure if they're that high up, but if there is another team that can perhaps get to Creighton, I do think Providence is one of those teams, if they make the correct leaps, can definitely get up there. I would say they're probably a solid third place, but they're going to put Creighton up there in that second spot. UConn, Satan Hall are probably going to end up battling for fourth. And, man, do I ever wish we uh, could be in that terrible place dining hall watching this play out all second semester because that will be a lot of fun to really watch out for. But in the midst of all of this, of this two through five parity, the potential for parity at the bottom, 
let's not forget one thing. Phil Nova is the cream of the crop here, Dom, easily. Yeah, it's funny because actually when I was doing my research on this conference yesterday, I was using 24-7's recruiting class, and I'm writing the teams down uh, in order based on the recruiting class. That's just how I've been doing my my note-taking. And on 24-7 sports, they didn't have Villanova listed on the recruiting class list in the conference. So I had nothing written on Villanova because I just blanked on my mind that they were even in this conference. So uh, I, I was quickly doing some research about it this morning when I realized that. And Villanova, they're going to be one of the best teams in the country this year. They're certainly a national contender. They're returning basically everyone but Sadiq Bey, uh, one of the best names in the nation, Sadiq. Uh, wish him luck going to the NBA. I think Colin Gillespie is certainly going to be the favorite for Big East Player of the Year. He was so good last year, so consistent. He's been that, you know, guard, that freshman, sophomore, gets a couple of minutes sprinkled in when they're just killing teams. And then junior year, he takes over. He's that guy. Now he's a senior. How well is he going to do? I think he's going to lead this team I think certainly they're capable of winning a national championship because they got Jeremiah Robinson Earl forward. He was great as a freshman last year. Jermaine Samuels forward. He's not going to be a senior. This team is solid in the front court and the back court, which you don't see with a ton of teams with some veteran leadership. Uh, I, I honestly think that they might be my pick to win the national title. Um, and I, I, this, and you mentioned some of the things to where the front court and back court is overall good. One of the things that has this gap being so big is that a lot of these teams have questions in the front court or the back court. And some of these teams have deep areas in one, but they're lacking depth from the other side. Villanova is an overall team. They are an overall elite team. And that is not something anyone else in this conference can say by a wide margin. And Jeremiah Robinson might be my front runner for Big East Player of the Year. I think his front court ability is going to transcend, and he is going to really be able to expose the weaknesses of some of the front courts in this conference. Uh, another conference where we have plenty of good guards, but the forwards are somewhat lacking. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is a guy that will definitely shine in that respect. Uh, Colin Galapsi is another one. I think Phil Noah could very well have one and two in the Big East Player of the Year race. I think they're that good. And don't forget also about Tulane transfer Caleb Daniels. If he steps in, whoo boy, have we got a very deep team on our hands. Um, and for Villanova, they've had to really earn their Big East reputation as the best at the conference for the last several years now. As long as they play well, they have this conference in the bag. There's no team to me that comes close to matching what Villanova has. This is not a Big 12 situation and to where we have a couple of teams that are going to have to really, really fight it out. And this certainly is not the Big 10 to where you have a couple or three different teams that can really fight against each other for that title. Big East is all Villanova all day. I don't think there's any question about that whatsoever. No, the only thing that's going to prevent them from winning the Big East is possible injuries. You know, God forbid, we don't wish that upon anyone, but that's the only thing that's going to hold them back. I also like to mention, they got little Archie Diacono. Uh, this time it's Chris instead of Ryan. 
Uh, Archie Diakno, when he carried that Villanova team. Oh, man, that, that, that cost me a lot of money. I finished second place in my pool that year. By far the best bracket, bracket I've ever had. The person beat me by like three points because they had Villanova winning the national title game. I had Kansas. If Kansas just held on, I would have won so much money. But instead, Archie Diakno led Villanova to the promised land. And ever since then, they've been an elite program in this nation. And, I mean, the last time they played in the tournament, because, of course, they had made the tournament last year, they were a six seed. Where are they going to be this year? They were going to be a top seed last year. I'd imagine they're going to be a number one seed this year. As I've already said, I think they're possibly my favorite to win, Nash, to win the national title. They're going to be a one seed this year. Uh, I'm far and away. The, the potential is through the roof for Villanova. And, I mean, there's pretty much been three teams that are – Pretty much the established top three in this country. Gonzaga, Baylor to an extent, and then Philanova. As long as Philanova is able to play well, they have this cause in the back. Will they go undefeated in the Big East? I'm not necessarily sure. They might trip up once or twice, but this is certainly not going to be a year where they go 13-5 and five and have to fight out with some other teams. I think they're going to have this in the bag. Finally, something we've been doing throughout our season preview series is sort of analyzing the and analyzing the college as a whole as far as their NCAA tournament potential. And we'll be asking this question, how many tournament teams do you think this conference is going to get? Uh, I think for certain we're going to see three teams. We're going to see Villanova, Creighton, and UConn. Those are the three locks. I think Providence, Seton Hall, Xavier, and Butler are all capable. I'm going to give them five just because I think that with uh, the parity in this conference and not really having a ton of non-conference play. I think that some of these middle-tiered teams are going to trip up a couple of games to the lower-tiered teams, and that's going to hold them off as there's going to be a ton of bubble teams in this conference. Only a few of them are going to get in. I'm going to say five. And I think the other thing we have to be careful of, too, is that because we do not have as many non-conference games to go off of for pretty much everyone in the country – your conference games is what's going to determine your status. And whatever happens with the, with the, the, the metrics, the net metric, other metrics that are used, how much that plays into things, and of course the strength of scale is going to play a big part of this as well, it's going to be a key factor. And I'm really not necessarily sure as to how it's going to affect things. Could this hurt the power of conference or give the power of conference even more bits because the bit majors essentially cannot get that leg up and cannot get those big marquee non-conference games that they would need in order to put themselves in a position to make the tournament. That's going to be something we know a lot more later on down the line, and we'll get a lot more hints as to how that's going to affect things later on this season. Preliminarily, I'm saying five, and it's pretty much the top five to me. Philadelphia, Providence, Satan Hall, Creighton, UConn. I think that UConn, Satan Hall, and Providence are going to have to really fight it out for their bid. I can't see Xavier getting on the right side of the bubble, perhaps at all this season. I think there's still too many unknowns for the Xavier Musketeers to really have to work off of. But I think the big thing here is that, I mean, this is another solid conference. Could some of these smaller teams, um, not really smaller, but weaker teams, you know, your Georgetown is your DePaul's. Could they trip up a team like Satan Hall and Providence and pull them down? 
I think perhaps, but just basing on all the Andy Katz's preseason bracket, a one, a four, a couple eights, and a nine. And it's that Satan Hall, that problems that UConn that we're going to have to really watch out for because if they are able to make good strides, they're in without a question. And I think that five is going to be a good mark because I can't see anyone else emerging and getting into that six. I think the six through nine at the very least is going to have a lot of parity. And that six through nine parity, I think, is going to pull all of them down. I think we're going to have a lot of problems with that six through nine. That parity is going to pull them down a lot because, again, the unknowns of will smaller conferences be benefited for your top team or two. I think we'll know a lot more about that later on down the line. But I think for right now, five teams is a good mark to, to go for for the Big East. So that will take care of this episode of our season preview series. Already into our second week. Time really is flying already. And our next conference is the ACC. It's our midweek episode this week. And we're looking forward to that. So for Dominic Sturm, who is showing off this fryer, uh, for those who aren't quite seeing it in the background, I'm Nicholas Hodell signing off. Have a good day, night, whatever you're listening to us from wherever you are in the world.